Welcome to the Life of an Average Somebody, a new podcast hosted by my dad, Coach Randy. My dad considers himself average, and that's okay. But to me and my three siblings that didn't want to record this with me, he is somebody. He's also somebody to my mom, his clients, his students, and his friends. In this podcast, my dad is going to share some stories that show how he went from ordinary to extraordinary in the eyes of those that know him best. He'll share how an average person's life could have a tremendous impact on others. Remember, like Dr. Seuss once said, to the world you may be one person, but to one person you may be the world. My dad might only be one person, but hopefully you will find meaning and value in what he has to offer. And who knows, maybe he'll become somebody to you too. Enjoy today's episode and thanks for listening. Hello there, I'm Coach Randy, and I'm the host of Life of an Average Somebody. Welcome to our next episode, Control the Controllables. It has been quite a few interesting weeks since my last conversation, and look forward to spending a few minutes of your day and your time here this moment. If you recall our last visit together, we spoke about fear, lots about fear. And lately, there's been a lot, at least for me and Many family members and loved ones I know, in terms of fear, what's going on. We live in very interesting times. And this is not a political podcast, nor is it about politics. It is about fear. It's about being an average person. And I think I finally realized that I really am an average somebody. I actually sometimes think I'm really probably a nobody. Uh, Nobody knows me. No one knows who I am. I am just this average person living this average life. Yes, I know to my few friends and family who are out there listening, you're saying, but coach, you are somebody, you're somebody to your wife, your kids, your friends, the softball kids you coach. Yes, I get that. But the truth is, in the bigger scale of things, I often feel I'm like a, I'm a pebble of sand on a, in a desert, or I'm a, a drop of rain in Hurricane Sally, um, that I just am really somewhat insignificant. And frankly, I think... That's partly true. I mean, there's n- nearly 9 billion people in this world. And over the course of time, you know, in the Jewish community, there's been 5,000 years of Jewish history. And, of course, since uh, Jesus lived there's been and died, there's been 2,020 years. So you think about the number of people, the number of lives, uh, billions and billions and billions, hundreds of billions, uh, trillions, and I'm one. And... I'm here for such a short period of time. I mean, if I'm lucky, I'll get 85, 90 years. I'm well past that mark. And often think about, you know, why am I here? What am I doing? And I think it's Erickson. They used to talk about uh, Erickson or Jung. It certainly wasn't Darwin. But it was this concept, or even Freud, this idea that you come to a point in your life where you begin to think about really where you're going, your, your legacy. What are you leaving behind? And Certainly, I have incredible kids, a beautiful wife and friends, which I talk and I have a chance to share my thoughts about what I hope for them. 
Um, but the legacy is uh, somewhat limited in terms of me. Uh, yes, I've written a couple of books. Not many copies were sold, and frankly, writing the book is easy. <laughs> Getting people to ante up 20 bucks or $10, that's, that's the challenge. And so I'm just this average somebody. And the more I thought about it, the more it began to become aware to me that following my conversation of fear, it was important to bring up the concept and topic control. That there's this idea that many of us feel that we're just out of control. There's so many things that we're not in control of. And I think now more than ever, as I see things going on around me, social media, on TV, talking to my wife, my friends, I just feel that there's just nothing in my control. And it's what also generates the fear that we experience in our own lives. And for men, in particular males, the idea of being in control is very real and very serious, that we have to be in control. And we're really not in control of much. Uh, when I work with my clients, whether they are teens or parents or even better, and even better corporate executives, this is the part of the uh, coaching session where they were talking about control and they can't control this. And I'd literally have them take out a piece of paper and write down all the things they're not in control of. And so we'd start, and just like now, I'm not in control of the weather. I'm not in control of what decisions made about a Supreme Court nominee. I'm not in control of how my kids perform in class. I'm not in control of my wife driving home from her job teaching. I'm not in control of what goes on in the environment because she's at a school wearing a mask and putting herself in the front line. I'm not in control of what's happening to my dad and Grandma Elaine or my daughter in Denver or my son in Arizona. I'm not in control of that. I'm not in control of the guy behind me um, who starts honking at me because he feels that I need to turn right when the sign clearly says, no turn on red. I'm not in control when I go out to the grocery store and I'm standing there keeping my space like I'm supposed to because I'm one of those rule followers. And I see someone kind of just rush up in front of me and start talking on their phone and grabbing something. Not control that person. And most recently, I do coach girls softball, 12U and 14U. And my philosophy is often much different. We are not, I am not the win-at-all-cost coach. And I'm playing against a team, and my 12U team and 14U team, they're great, great kids, great girls, great athletes. They're learning the game, but we get beat. And when we get beat, we get beat. Mercy is, uh, is a word that is used often, and I wished that there were a lot more mercy from other coaches. Because what happens is the coaches just keep running up the score. Before you know it, they're up by 20 runs, and for some reason, it's still not enough. And so they continue to run, and they run. And so I'm not in control of that. I'm not in control of anything, and I get so upset and frustrated, and I find myself getting angry and angry because, to me, it just seems that the things that we need to do in this world in which matters most. And so then, after the exercise, you write down all the things you're not in control of. I then ask a simple question. Then, if these are all the things you're not in control of, what are you in control of? And that's where today's topic comes into, is learning how to control the controllables. And as you think about everything that you're in control of, the truth of the matter is, there's only really two things in our control. And so for the average somebody who's out there working hard, making a living, doing what they can to stand up for certain rights, to help other people, to support their family, put food on the table, there's only two things in our control. The two things are our attitude and our effort. 
And our attitude often impacts our effort. And a majority of people, three out of four people, 75% of people live in a negative attitude, a negative state of mind. And considering what we're going through in life and stress and anxiety, the increase of the use of drugs and alcohol, the increase of uh, psychotic and pharmacology, pharmacists, I mean pharmacists, psychiatrists are pretty much just pharmacologists. It's about drug and drug management. Psychiatry is not done through therapy. Psychiatry is done through medical distribution. And then therapists, whether LCSWs or PsyDs, they're the ones doing the therapy. And yes, maybe on occasion you might have a psychiatrist that's doing some therapy, but for the most part, therapy is being done by individuals outside of psychiatrists and their preference is to prescribe. And I am grateful for the psychiatrists and the doctors that allow me to take whatever kind of meds I need to help me make better because for the most part, like everybody else, the majority of this country, we need some kind of chemical to help us deal with our stress and anxiety because life is hard and life is scary. And when you're an average somebody, you want to do something. You want to do more. And I was always born and always told that I was going to be something special. I was born on the holiday of Shabbos Shuva. All right, that is a Saturday between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And it just so happens this Saturday is Shabbat Shuva. It is the Saturday, the Sabbath, between Rosh Hashanah, which was last week, and Yom Kippur, which is on Monday. And that was the day I was born. And I was always told that I was born and I was going to be something special. And I somehow bought into it, but I constantly struggle in terms of what that means. And I do. And I wonder, why was I born? What makes me so special? I have since the pandemic hit. I am a professional speaker that no longer speaks because speaking engagements are rare. And my target market is schools, universities, and sports and athletic groups. So two-thirds of my speaking, actually all of my speaking, two-thirds of my revenue is gone. And just like everybody else, I'm average. I'm looking for work. I am rebranding myself, which is part of this podcast. I am remarketing myself. I'm looking for corporate opportunities. I've got a whole studio set up to where I could do some virtual presentations and, and keynotes. But simultaneously in doing so, I have to rethink and redo and refight everything that I have been doing for so long. And the biggest thing that I have fought for and stood up for for the past 15 plus years is harassment, intimidation, and bullying behavior. And right now, I'm very concerned about the future of our youth. And that's not in my control. I cannot control what is being shown to our youth. I cannot control what my kids are seeing on social media. I cannot show them. I cannot protect them from the messages, the signs that lets them think and see that power is everything. And if you have power, you can use it against people. And it's not in my control. So I go back and think about control, the controllables. And as I do that, I do my best to have a positive attitude. I want to think about the ways that I can impact the people that I care most about. And so I take time with my family and my daughters. And we play softball. We talk about life lessons. I spend time with my wife. Frankly, the best times of the day or even the week are the times I get a walk with her for that three-mile walk. It's just the two of us. And I think about the girls that I coach. And those girls, it's 12-year girls and 14-year girls, for a total of uh, 32, no, 31 players. I got uh, 17 on the 12-year and 14 
on the on the 14U, 31 kids. And what I can't control is what I say to them and how I coach them. I can't control my attitude. And where we're getting beat, beaten mercilessly and the, the run's being scored and it's happening over and over, I can't stop and help them reflect on what really matters. And that, although to some teams, it matters to score by 20, 25 runs in a 14U or 12U softball game, in the big picture of life, it's meaningless. What really matters most is that we can actually go outside and play softball. Yes, we're wearing masks, we're being distanced, but we're doing things to figure out how to survive and overcome the challenges that we're faced. And we're teaching them that lesson. We're teaching them about pride, which is my motto for when I coach in my baseball program, about performance, respect, integrity, determination, and excellence. And as we get a whooping during our games, at the end of the game, we always hold something called a winner's circle. And in my control, in that winner's circle, everybody contributes, the players first. The players have a chance to acknowledge what they saw in the game and fulfill their, their commitment of being part of the team of, of pride and talking about the performance. But then we also spend time praising one another about something they saw someone do really well that game. And then we identify things we need to work on to help make ourselves better. And we check our egos at the door and we tell the players that really matters is family and that our team is a family. And most coaches talk about sports as family. For me, family is an acronym, and I learned it while I was coaching at Rutgers University Division Three baseball team, and it was a band they had. It was family, and they shared, and this is about 10 years ago now, family stands for forget about me, I love you. And so as we return to the softball diamond tonight after getting a nice mercy-ruled whooping uh, a couple days ago, we're going to talk about pride. We're going to talk about the controllables, about what's in our control. We're talking about our attitude of family, about forget about me, I love you. And we're going to forget about the results. We're going to focus on our efforts and promise one another as a family and as a team that if we care more about others, if we love others more than we love ourselves, and we do love ourselves, then we can learn how to control the controllables and give those kind of life skills moving forward about what really matters in life. You've been listening to Life of an Average Somebody, hosted by Coach Randy. Thank you for joining us, or joining me, today on this episode of Control the Controllables. Have a great day.